This week on the Northeast Newscast, we're going to talk about violent crime, and particularly the rash of homicides that have plagued the historic Northeast in 2017. The past month alone has featured a handful of violent incidents that have left neighbors scratching their heads as to the cause. Through Thursday, November 9th, the Kansas City-Missouri Police Department recorded 125 homicides in 2017, 17 of which occurred in the historic Northeast. On Friday, November 10th, a triple homicide was recorded at the intersection of 17th and Elmwood. This latest incident highlights a disturbing trend over the past month. Just after 5 a.m. on the morning of Sunday, October 15th, a woman approached a porch on the 1100 block of Ewing and fired shots upon two men, one of whom was once her neighbor. Though the former neighbor survived, the other man, his brother, ultimately died as a result of his wounds. On the afternoon of Tuesday, October 24th, police responded to the 3600 block of Roberts. Upon arrival, they discovered a body of a male victim eventually identified as 39-year-old Level J. Smith. His alleged attacker, 37-year-old Joseph M. Parker, stands accused of beating Smith to death with a pry bar. Officers who responded to the incident reported that the cause of death was from, quote, apparent severe head trauma, consistent with multiple impacts. The very next day, on the morning of Wednesday, October 25th, officers were called to the corner of Independence and Elmwood Avenues, on a call of a shooting. Upon arrival, officers located the body of a black male in his mid-twenties with no signs of life. Neighbors reported hearing shots and then seeing a white vehicle flee the scene northbound on Elmwood. KCPD has since identified the victim as 31-year-old John Owens Jr. of Kansas City, Missouri. On Thursday, October 26th, the third homicide in as many days was recorded near the intersection of 7th and Norton, in the vicinity of Lycan Square Park. Police found a black male down in the middle of the street. KCPD eventually identified the victim as 55-year-old Kansas City, Missouri resident Harlan K. Dunbar. These cases can take months or longer to solve. An example, a homicide that took place in November 2016 at the 3500 block of Lexington. On November 9, 2017, more than a year after the initial incident, Prosecutors filed charges against 48-year-old Michael T. Lomax, who stands accused of fatally shooting 34-year-old Dustin Harris in a drug deal gone wrong. The November 9th charges represent a step in the right direction, but the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department still has their work cut out for them. The department uses several metrics for clearance rate, but by all accounts, they still lag below the national average. 39% of the homicides recorded in 2017 have been cleared. 49% have either been cleared or are waiting at the prosecutor's office for charges. Some of those, as in cases of self-defense, could potentially be denied charges. 56% is the figure that represents homicides cleared this year that also include those recorded in previous years. The homicide at the 3500 block of Lexington would be an example of one of those. To address some of these violent crime issues, community organizers set up a meeting with East Patrol leadership on the evening of Thursday, November 9th, at St. Anthony Church in the historic Northeast. Though he wasn't present at the event, I spoke with KCPD Chief of Police Rick Smith beforehand. Smith said he was keenly aware of the issues that are plaguing the Northeast, and he lamented the increase of violent crime in the historic Northeast during our discussion. 
The following is a quote from Chief Smith. It's very disheartening, especially because I know of all the police and community efforts that are going on to make Northeast a premier community, Smith said. What can we do to make sure this isn't a long-term trend? Smith went on to describe at least one recent effort designed to curb the homicide increase in the city. The recent increase in reward money from $2,000 to $5,000 for tips submitted through the tips hotline that helped solve a homicide. Smith credited the idea to former 6th District Councilman John Sharp, who mentioned to Smith during a recent event for the families of homicide victims that the city of Omaha had improved their clearance rate by raising the reward for tips. Smith also discussed briefly his recent budget request for City Hall, which asked for an additional 21 dispatchers, as well as an additional 30 officers for patrol. He said, quote, We fairly evaluated what we thought we could live with. We tried to ask for what we thought was proper. We're all in this together, he added. There's only one city budget. We tried to come up with something fair and equitable. After my conversation with Smith, I conducted a follow-up inquiry with the police department regarding the staffing levels. What I found was that in 2013, the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department had 1,409 sworn police officers. Currently, at least as of September 30th, 2017, there were 1,300 on the nose. This year's budget allows for 1,337 sworn police officers, and there is currently an academy class going through now, along with 10 additional officers who left Raytown and are going through a condensed academy. The staffing issue was a topic of debate during the community meeting at St. Anthony Church on the night of Thursday, November 9th, along with a plethora of other concerns brought up by neighborhood leaders. But the meeting began with an address from East Patrol Major Jim Thomas. I'm often asked, like, hey, if there is one thing you could do as, as, you know, a commander on the police department and have an oversight of several personnel, what is the one thing that, that, that you would do that you think could, could deter crime? And the number one thing is to put a police officer on every single block. Well, we all know that we can't put a police officer on every single block. The next best thing to that is, is what is happening in Skerritt and, and having a block watch person, a block watch captain that is responsible for that block, that has direct communication to the police department to let us know when there's a problem. And she didn't know that I was going to do this tonight, but Heather Welch, I, I met her first just probably about a month ago when we were trying to come up with a plan to address the juvenile problems with, with Mary, with Maddie Rhodes, and, and Leslie, and, and Michael, and, and Lisa. When we got together, um, I had never met her, but, but I get emails from her constantly. I, I'm going to tell you, the way this works is, is what she's doing exactly what she's doing and I know that there there are many others that are doing that what we need in Skerritt and those that are here representing any amount and, and Lycans we need that in every single neighborhood I, I need that in every single neighborhood because that's the next best thing that I can have to put in a police officer on every single block so I go back to Heather never knew her um, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the um, Skerritt Renaissance crime alert that goes out and a lot of those I'll, I'll read some of, some of them I'm at home in bed when I read them I don't I can't I don't send police officers on them but what that does is it lets everybody know in the neighborhood hey I see something that doesn't look right I want everybody in the neighborhood to know so be on the lookout and if it rises to the level of calling the police then the police are called but 
I, I don't know exactly where you live, Heather, but I know she's close to the 4100 block of Morrell. Uh, and, and I will tell you that we, we had two houses over there. One probably about, was about three, four months ago, Heather? Three or four months ago where, where uh, there was a lot of gunfire that was going on. There, there, was, there was some shady um, activities going on, cars pulling up, leaving, very nice cars. If I recall, one was a Chrysler 300, very nice car. So, so that, that leads us to believe that there's probably drug activity going on at that house. That call led to, led to us looking into it. Uh, Sergeant Owens, a lot of people have heard me talk about the impact squad. He is a supervisor over the impact squad. Doesn't answer any calls. He's got four officers where I, where I triage not only Skerritt, but all of East Patrol. And I look at where do I need to put him to address the most violent crime that's occurring. The last couple of weeks, he's been up in, in, uh, in the Northeast area off of not only Skerritt, but over in Indian Mound, off of, off of the 100 block of Drury, where we closed the house and things got better. He's been working on the 100 block of Oakley. We're making some progress there. And off of, uh, on Morrell in the 4100 block. When, when Heather first reported the first house, the, the people that, that we ended up moving out, where we took action and we were able to get that house closed, they, they were very, very bad people. I, I, so when I get that, I, I want to know who lives there. I look at that. I can see what their record is. And they were convicted felons. Um, and it, I, I, there's not a doubt in my mind, had it not been for her calling us and, and, and raising um, our, our level of awareness on that particular house, I, I can say with a high degree of certainty that, that there would have been somebody shot there, if not killed there. And, and here, here's the thing, is, is uh, perhaps it would have been somebody that was involved in illegal, illegal activity, or perhaps it might have been somebody that didn't really know that there was anything going on in that block because nobody reported it, and they're just out walking their dog, and they just get caught up in the middle of gunfire, and then, then we have an innocent bystander that, that's, that's killed. So, so I, I, uh, I commend you, Heather, for, for stepping out. And I know it wasn't easy, and, 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 and I know a lot of people want to rename, re remain anonymous. You, you do remain anonymous. When you contact us, we don't, we don't go to the house and say, hey, you know, such and such at this address tells us there, there's problems going on. We don't do that. We go and we say, hey, we, we have information that this is going on, and we want you to know that we know that it's going on. And if it's a rental property, which in a lot of cases there are rental properties, we will send a letter to the registered owner of that house and let them know we, this is going on at this house. And in a lot of cases, it leads to quick evictions. So that, that, this is how it works. This is exactly how it works. So, so thank you if you're engaged. If, if you're not, I encourage you to get engaged. Um, you'll probably get Greg Smith's email or some form of communication that goes to Greg Smith or CIO who will be able to get that information out to us and get it to, to Sergeant Owens when we have our week, weekly crime meeting. So, so um, I'm going to wrap it up and turn it over to Captain Mills and, and Leslie and, and uh, we'll, we'll see what we can get done together. East Patrol Captain Ryan Mills followed Major Thomas in introducing himself to meeting attendees. And while, regrettably, I was unable to pick up discernible audio from his comments, I was able to jot some things down in real time. Mills focused on the importance of the little things, and how big of a difference they can make. Examples included simply picking up trash around the neighborhood, 
going door to door and talking to people, keeping the lights on at night, and calling the police every time gunshots occur. He noted, quote, Those gunshots are real dangers. I don't want the neighborhood to become accustomed to it. End quote. Mills also noted that the police department is putting additional resources into the Northeast. One example is through Captain Thomas's Impact Squad, a five-person operation designed solely to tackle individual issues throughout the Northeast community. Mills also put the onus upon the, the police department to do things a little bit differently moving forward. He said, quote, We have to be more accessible. We have to communicate more, and we have to communicate with different people. As those issues get sussed out, Mills says that there are already plans to bring additional officers into patrol. He noted that between now and April, about 70 police officers will be going into patrol divisions. Additionally, the East Patrol officers at the meeting made it clear that they are hearing Northeast residents when they voice their concerns about gun violence in the community. At one point, Impact Squad Sergeant Terrence Owen stepped up and voiced his thoughts about the violent crime increases throughout the city. The following is Owens. It has their attention and it filters down. So when things are on the news, every night, every night I watch the news and I look at KansasCity.com and I'm looking at what's going on. Not only that, but you know, when those things go out Facebook and go to the major, they, they filter down to Greg and myself and Vito and Adair. And I mean, all those things come down to us. You have the attention of the police department. You have the attention of the police department. And it's one of those things where nobody in this room is probably gonna have contact with impact, more than likely. Maybe you'll see us driving around or doing something, but for the most part, nobody in this room is more than likely going to have contact with any of us. When you talk about who do we need to call to get more resources, right now, the focus is in the Northeast. It is absolutely 100%, as far as East Patrol goes, you have, you have focus in the Northeast right now. At this point in the meeting, Major Thomas intervened to talk about the importance of getting more resources in order to meet those needs in Northeast Kansas City and throughout the metropolitan area. According to Thomas, Chief Smith agrees. Quote, I can tell you right now that the Chief already understands that we need more resources. Thomas went on to encourage attendees to reach out to their city council members who are going to be the ones deciding whether or not Chief Smith's budget request is realized. In the interim, while the budget cycle plays out, residents of Northeast Kansas City remain frustrated. One woman in attendance bemoaned the daily occurrence around her block of gunfire ringing out through the neighborhood. I'm not afraid, she said. I have a firearm myself and I know how to use it. I'm angry. Another woman in attendance had questions about how current resources are allocated. Does Waldo get a little more preference because they've got more money? She wondered. The answer from Captain Mills, of course, was no. It's a little more complicated than that. That being said, residents of Northeast Kansas City don't feel like they're getting their fair share right now. At one point, Captain Mills attempted to explain what KCPD is doing to change that. I'm also 
committing resources as much as I can with the assistance of Chief Smith and Major Thomas. We're, we're putting extra resources into the neighborhood to fight violent crime. We're talking a lot more about what's going on in the neighborhood amongst each other. Uh, within the department, we're conducting a lot more enforcement activity, but enforcement is not the only answer to the problem. We've got to do more than that. Major Thomas expanded upon that a bit. Thomas recalled a meeting that happened about two weeks ago where he asked for year-to-date crime stats between 2016 and 2017. Give me the comparison and show me where the difference is at, Thomas recalled saying. There were three identifiable hotspots that came up. One was off Morrell, and another was off Drury. The last was around Lycan Square Park. In that meeting, Thomas asked for help. As a result, he got a tactical response team, violent crimes enforcement squad, narcotics and vice, and even traffic. The additional manpower helped Thomas establish a police presence at Lycan Square Park that his impact squad otherwise wouldn't have been able to reach. At the conclusion of the meeting, I talked to a couple neighborhood leaders about their impressions. The first was Sheffield Neighborhood Association President Mark Morales. So we just got done with the community meeting uh, between Northeast residents and East Patrol personnel. Uh, Probably about an hour, hour and a half total got a chance to talk about some of the issues here with Mark Morales. I just wanted to get your feelings after the meeting about where we go from here and, and what you got out of this tonight. Yes. I think uh, this is a good start. We get together and as a group and we, I think we need to reach more of a consensus of which way we need to go, what kind of solutions we need to come up. Maybe break into groups and decide one group could work on maybe cameras, one could work on the housing challenge, one could work on other problems, and then come to the table with more solutions. But it's encouraging seeing everybody here together, and there's over 65, 70 people here from six different neighborhoods, so it's encouraging to see everybody trying to come up with some solutions. Having heard uh, Major Thomas, Captain Mills, talk today, do you have the feeling that each patrol has the Northeast back? You know, uh, I believe they do, but I think uh, <clears throat> I think we need more resources. Pretty obvious inside Northeast. I think one of the challenges we got in East Patrol, we have a lot of vacant homes, we have a lot of industrial area, we have a lot of green space where that inappropriate activity is happening, and we need to focus more resources in that area mm-hmm. besides the neighborhoods. But uh, I do, with the chief, I do believe, I do know that he's got the Northeast back, right. but his hands are kind of tied right now. Well, what can the community leaders do to kind of help push, push the ball in the right direction here? I think um, they're going in the right direction, the police officer. That's something I do as a leader, as a neighborhood president. Try to connect with one person at a time, at a home, at a block, find out what it is that's on their mind. If they can improve one thing, find out what it is. And I think the police department needs to use that same concept. They need to go find that dynamic family with a lot of kids involved. Mm-hmm. Get those kids, get that family, ask them, what's going on on your block? What can we do? To fix. So I think they're going in the right direction. However, I think they need to take somebody with a familiar face from that block, get uh-huh. them involved. Hey, that's so-and-so. We know this person. Let's have this person be involved with the police and go knock on the doors. A familiar uh-huh. face. So. Well, obviously there's a, I guess, pending budget request still out there involving uh, City Hall that some of that funding stuff will be there. But, you know, you hear from their side of the coin, 
you know, they've got 76% of their funding tied up in public safety as is. There's not that much to give. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening right now with the budget being so tight, just coming right around the corner. We would love to see more resources, but uh, I am going to keep hope that we do get some more resources in there, maybe even just like they've talked about some uh, social workers involved. Mm-hmm. But it uh, seems like we just need more um, community input to solve these problems and work together. Excellent. Next, I spoke with the previously mentioned Heather Welch, who Major Thomas had singled out for her work on Scarrett's Block Watch. I just wanted to kind of get a sense. I talked to Mark Morales about his feelings. And I thought I would talk to you since you were called out specifically uh, by the major there when they were kind of talking about people who are doing the right kind of things. But I guess the first question I wanted to ask is after this meeting today, do you get the sense that East Patrol kind of has the Northeast back when it comes to these violent crime issues? Yes. I will tell you, just based on the conversations I have all day long and have been having all day long since mm-hmm. I started doing this, which has been, I don't know, two, three months, mm-hmm. um, they are all over it. They communicate more than I would like to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for anyone to think that they aren't paying attention and devoting every resource they possibly can, is, they, they just need to get involved because that's what it takes to understand um, what it takes to, mm-hmm. to, to deter these things and to stop things, and, and they're right. I mean, anytime we get information that has any sort of specificity, um, someone is being sent out to deal with it, and we are getting real results. And so I just, um, yeah, I think I think East Patrol is all over it. Um, the homicide situation is hard because, the, the, I mean, I've looked at all 20 homicides in the historic Northeast, and I, you know, what correlation is there other than maybe some drugs, and, right. you know, maybe some uh, anger, and God knows, but... Mental health and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if there were, if they could be doing anything else, they would be, and, and I do think until we get everybody possible um, feeding me or them information that I can feed them, um, we're just going to have to hope and pray that they either stumble into the right situation or somebody happens to give that information that, that leads to an arrest or you know something that deters the situation. Right. Um, well, to that point, uh, you had mentioned during the meeting that there are some blocks where you have great coverage and some where you do not have so great of coverage. Would you be willing to talk about the blocks, or can you name blocks that you don't you, you would like people to step up that we could put out there? I will tell you that most of the blocks that I don't have coverage on are south of St. John, north of Independence Avenue, um, west of Jackson, and east of Benton. And what would be the best way for somebody to reach out to you if, that, if they live on those blocks and are seeing these problems and are, are getting frustrated about it and want to help? There's, there's a number of ways. Um, there is an email address. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh-huh. We'll grab one of those for you. Let's go okay. do that. Crimewatch at scaretkc.org. Mm-hmm. There's a phone number. I won't answer it, but if you leave me a voice message, mm-hmm. I will hook you up. Um, these cards are also in Spanish, uh, so I want everybody involved. Um, I don't speak Spanish. I would love to have someone step up and help me with that situation. But so yeah. maybe somebody who would be willing to uh, do some interpretation or something yeah, of that nature? Canvas the neighborhoods or just talk to neighbors and let me know what's going on. However anybody wants to participate, even mm-hmm. if it's just that they're calling the cops and encouraging their, their neighbors to do it. Mm-hmm. We just we just need people to make a commitment to do something. Um, so what I, what are what are the best action steps? I, do you think that I mean we heard a little bit about the causes um, 
of, of some of this violent crime uh, and what PD is doing, but what, what do you see the action steps as for the neighborhood? Um, I would like individuals or organized groups to become visible. Mm-hmm. I was not kidding about going out and picking up litter. I mm-hmm. mean, look at what one guy does to clean the concourse mm-hmm. every day. Um, and really, if everyone just took their block and just walked around and picked up trash, they would become visible in the neighborhood. They could walk the dog. You will eventually meet every neighbor you have, whether you speak to them or not. They're gonna, you're going to know each other, and you'll become more familiar with what isn't right in the neighborhood. Uh, I'm not a very observant person, but my spouse knows at the minute that there is a car that's been parked for too long or a car that doesn't belong or someone that's not. Mm. I mean, so it's just it's familiarity. It's being out there. Um, if you know your neighbors and you know which ones aren't neighbors. Yeah. That's right. And you have to also go with your gut feeling. If, uh, I was just speaking to two guys who said, you know, there are these three houses around my house that, you know, we're not exactly sure what's going on there, but we know something bad is going on. Mm-hmm. Let me know. I just just give me those. Just tell me what you do know. Um, tell me what you suspect. If you have, like, anything concrete, don't just make stuff up because that doesn't help anybody. Mm-hmm. And wait shot. Um, and um, just give us what information you have, and we can always look into it and find out. And that's how we basically shut down a couple of houses on Morel. We had some bad, you know, maybe something's going on. We see a light on that things boarded up. Mm-hmm. We were able to, to to shut down two houses, one that had very violent criminals, and it just based on someone saying, "Hey, I don't think there's supposed to be anyone in that house." Right. So it's that it's that sort of thing. Just be aware, be out there watching, and be willing to call somebody. Outside of my conversation conversations with the neighborhood leaders, I wanted to leave our listeners with just one more slightly optimistic note before we call it a wrap for today. One more aspect of violent crime prevention that I didn't get an opportunity to squeeze into the podcast thus far was home security cameras and how they can help police. There's a program called Watch KC, and it's a way that private citizens can allow the Kansas City Police Department to use their private cameras in order to solve crimes. It's a step that people can take right away, as long as they have cameras outside of their home. And it helps. Captain Mills noted that in the last two or three weeks, somebody's personal cameras helped solve a homicide right here in the neighborhood. He said, quote, I guarantee you that we see much more than we used to see. That'll do it for this week's installment of the Northeast Newscast. As always, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, signing out.